Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider your word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you new here today, we are in the midst of a a summer teaching series on the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the first century Christians in the great city of Rome. We'll be on this series throughout the summer, and uh, we are continuing kind of systematically chapter by chapter through the letter. Uh, next week we'll be celebrating the communion service together as we consider Romans chapter 6. We have Jael Amador who's going to be sharing with us on Romans 7 and Lincoln Alabaster who's uh, coming up for Romans chapter 8. So those are some of the exciting things that are going to be happening in the week's uh, to come. I should also mention just again for those of you who are new here today and, and uh, those who are wondering why some of our pews are empty, I think we have a picture, Joe, of our team out at the, uh, out at the march across the uh, Brooklyn Bridge today. They keep families together march. And as I mentioned, uh, another part of our group is at the West 11th Street, our sister church. And in fact, if you don't have any plans this afternoon, would encourage you to go down there for the Urban Min- Ministry Conference uh, at, again, our sister church on West 11th Street, 232 West 11th Street. be a good time down there today. And so we have dispersed throughout the city, but we are glad that you are here and excited that we can uh, share in this uh, challenging uh, text together. Well, the, uh, the text today, Romans chapter 5, our text of emphasis, starts with this word, therefore, which connects us with our teaching from uh, last week, the teaching that uh, told us that we as humans are habitually unable to uh, keep up with a moral code, any moral code, whether it's a moral code found in the Bible or quite frankly a moral code we might make up for ourselves. The reality is that we are innately incapable of keeping two moral uh, codes. And so this word uh, therefore connects back with that reality. Since that is true, Thank God that we have been justified through faith. This is the message of, of Paul. We have been justified uh, through faith. And justified is, in essence, just uh, uh, giving us the capability uh, to be counted as uh, doing right. We have been given the justification through faith in Jesus, even though we are incapable of keeping a moral code on our own. And so... Romans chapter 5 is revealing some really uh, good news that a, a person is counted as doing right through faith, not through our own ability to get our act together. And this brings us peace with God and it allows us to stand in God's uh, grace. 
Now, an important uh, concept that this text uh, is rooted in uh, is found in the word uh, boast. Uh, we think of boasting uh, negatively, and for uh, good reason, because boasting is also often associated with self-praise, uh, and we live in a world, we live certainly in a culture where boasting and self-praise are, are prominent, and uh, that's, that's something that uh, can be a, a turnoff, but here boasting is promoted, uh, but this is boasting toward God's work on our behalf. Boasting here implies expressing confidence, uh, joy, and thanksgiving toward uh, God because of His work for us. We boast in the hope of the glory of God, Paul says. And so after a couple really stark chapters to get this letter started. Romans 1, 2, 3 just outline the inability of humanity to do what God has called us uh, to do. We come to this good news in Romans chapter 5 that God has done something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. And so there's a lot of good news, there's a lot of hope, but yet we come to verse 3 of chapter 5 and come to another stark reality. Chap uh, verse 3, Romans 5, 3 says, we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, a hope. We glory in our sufferings. Glory in our sufferings. Uh, wait, I thought this was good news. Uh, suffering does not sound like good news. Now, that word that we mentioned, boasting, is actually mentioned three times in this text, Romans 5, 1 through 5, but only twice is it translated as boasting, once it's uh, translated as glorying, um, but the reality is that uh, the implication here is that we are to uh, boast uh, or glory even in our uh, sufferings, even in those times that we are uh, suffering. And the implication of the text is pretty straightforward. The follower of Jesus will uh, will boast of God's work and express confidence, joy, and thanksgiving even when we experience uh, suffering. Uh, this is the disturbing reality of uh, the Bible that according to God's command, a key element of the Christian experience, a key element of the experience of the follower of Jesus is uh, suffering. Romans 5, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character, hope. Suffering, an important part of the follower of Jesus' experience. Further, in Acts chapter 14, in verse 21, we read this, talking about the apostles. They preached the gospel in the city and won a large number of disciples. Then they uh, re returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And they said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of of God. In Acts chapter 5, we read that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Uh, this, is, this is boasting, same word, boasting because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And finally, in 1 Peter chapter 4, we read this, dear friends, don't be disgraced the surprise, the fiery ordeal that has come onto you to test you as though some, something strange was happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate 
in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Suffering, an incredibly important element of the Christian journey. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, this is a stark reality. In fact, this is a little disturbing. Um, by the way, it's not too late if you want to leave now and go to West, now that you realize that we're talking about suffering today. There's somebody else is preaching at uh, West 11th Street. I don't think they're talking about a suffering. So if you want to go, I understand. We're going to talk about suffering today. And so let's explore a little bit about why the idea of suffering is so uh, disturbing to us. Uh, firstly, suffering, I mean, this is pretty straightforward. Suffering is uncomfortable. And uh, we, or I'll speak for myself, I like to be comfortable. You, got, you like to be comfortable? I like to be comfortable. Suffering innately is uncomfortable. And so the, this, this message, this idea that we as, as followers of Jesus are going to experience suffering in our lives, and in fact, according to Paul in Romans 5, suffering actually plays a part in our journey and that our experience of growth is a little bit disturbing because we like to be uh, comfortable. I went uh, to, do, to have a biometric screening. My insurance asked us to go and you know, see how healthy we are. And so I went to the biometric screening and they you know, poked me and listened to things and did all kinds of things. And I, you know, the report came back and I was sitting with the the woman, the nurse, and she said, you know, things look pretty good, but she said, one area is that your HDL, what is it, the high den density lip lipids? Right. Lipoproteins. Okay. Thank you. All right. That it was a little low. You want those to be higher, right? So my LDL was low, which is good, but my HDL was also low, and it should be higher. And so I asked the the nice woman, what can I do uh, to, to raise my HDL? And do you know what the response to that is? Exercise. No! That's what I said. No, I knew it. I knew it. It was going to be something like that. So she's like, if you want to get your HDL, I was like, well, what, what can I eat differently? What can I she said, exercise. Oh, so irritating. Um, Exercise, you know, you exercise, it, it, some, some of us feel like exercise is suffering. Do you feel that way? I mean, I know some of you, I'm not even going to look, look at uh, Evariso because I know he loves exercising. And some, you have, we have like four athletic trainers here, including Evariso, and they love to exercise. I mean, I just look at them, they're so excited to exercise. And when, when I see Evariso, he wants me to exercise with him. And I haven't done it yet. I know, I need to do it. Anyway, I've got to get my HDL up. Anyway, for some of us, exercise is, is, is suffering, uh, but the idea is that, hey, as you exercise, good things are going to happen. This is going to help you grow. I, um, I went on a trip on Sunday, so my family is not here with me because I got in a car and I drove them all the way to Louisville, Kentucky, which is like almost 700 miles away. So on Sunday, I drove them to Louisville, Kentucky, and then I left them there and I drove back. So on the way to Louisville, Kentucky, we stopped in Columbus, Ohio. And do you know why we stopped in Columbus, Ohio? 
because in my humble opinion, the best ice cream in the United States of America is in Columbus, Ohio at Jenny's Ice Cream. Today's message is sponsored by Jenny's Ice Cream. <laughs> if we had like a poster or something down here, we would display it. Anyway, Jenny's, which you can find at Whole Foods, by the way. It's ridiculously expensive there. But anyway, so we travel through Columbus. We stop. We get ice cream. I ate the ice cream. I took them up the rest of the three hours to Louisville. I stayed there for a day, had ice cream again, gotten in the car on my lonesome and to, to, to all the way back to, 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 uh, to comfort myself as I'm leaving. I'm coming back for two weeks without my family. Guess what I did? I stopped in Columbus again at Jenny's ice cream. Amazing. This did not help my HDL. No. Um, the only thing that's going to help HDL is a little bit of uh, suffering, right? The ice cream did not help my HDL. And so in order to get the HDL up, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to go hang out with Evaristo uh, or Helen, uh, Helen who also has asked me to suffer uh, with her. She's another one of our athletic trainers, and I have not done it yet, but it needs to have take some suffering. So in order to grow, sometimes we need to suffer when that comes to our physical experience. But according to the Bible, suffering is also a part of the Christian journey. If we want to grow, that there's going to be suffering that goes along with that. And that's a little bit of a disturbing reality. Now, secondly, suffering is disturbing to us because we have been uh, trained, and I think this is particularly a Western uh, phenomenon. In fact, it may be even in, even in more particular way, uh, an American phenomenon, although we did have some Canadians uh, with us this morning at 9 a.m., and they assured us this was the, the same, the true in, in Canada as well. By the way, Canada Day is apparently coming up. Is that tomorrow? Any Canadians here? All right. Go Canada Day. Um, anyway, we have been trained in the West in particular to think that suffering is the opposite of being blessed. We've been trained to think that suffering is the opposite of being blessed. Uh, we're blessed when everything is going well, when life is good, when we have everything that we uh, need. If you follow someone's Instagram feed, you know, they're, you're blessed when you're hanging out on a beautiful beach and the waves are you know, lapping behind you and you're just enjoying life or, you know, you're together with, with uh, family or, or you've been able to, you know, purchase that new car or that new house or that new thing. That's when we're blessed. Now, of course, you know, those things certainly can be, can be uh, blessings, each and every one of them, but the idea that we're only blessed when things are going well or we have everything that we need is uh, problematic, especially when we think the fact that you know, a large percent of the, of the world will never have some of the things that we have. What is it, like half the world lives on less than $2 a day. Well, well how, how is it that then only us who are blessed and they're not blessed because they don't have the, the things that we have or they don't get to experience the things that we get to experience? Or is it someone who doesn't have a, a vibrant relationship or a vibrant family? Are they therefore not blessed, and it's only those of us who, who have those things that are, are blessed. And so we, we, we think that being blessed is, is only related to when everything is going great. And yet we think about the words of Jesus himself and who is in, in his greatest sermon found in Matthew chapter 5 said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. 
You know, in Matthew 5, Jesus comes and, and kind of blows up the whole idea of what it means to be blessed. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those are the people who are blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait, you thought, you thought it, it was, you're only blessed when you have everything that you need and you're getting to experience all the things that your heart's desire and your relationships are all going great? Not according to Jesus. We're blessed when we're poor. We're blessed when we're persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This idea of a blessing, that we are blessed not only when everything is going well, but blessing also comes when we are suffering. We don't feel well when we're not having the vocational success that we desire or we, we are longing for things, maybe even possessions that we need or our relationships aren't at the, at, the, at the top of where we want them to be. Blessing comes even in uh, suffering. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 23, we read that Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? And the disciples were amazed at these words. See, they also had the same misconceptions that, oh, you're, you're blessed when everything is going well, when you have what you need, when your bank account is full. And Jesus said, hey, it's hard for someone who has it all together to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were amazed at his words. And Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who has it all together to enter the kingdom of God. They were shocked at that because they had the same misconception. If you have it all together, that's when you're blessed. And Jesus is like, being blessed is not just having it all together. How about this one? Think about the stories of the Bible. Think about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, by the way, was a man who had a lot of things. He had a lot of possessions. He's a wealthy man. But his time of of most blessing is when God called him and invited him to, to kill his son. And he spends three days journeying out to the hill where he's going to have to do this terrible deed. And he goes up on the, the, the mountain and, and, and at the very last minute, God changes the situation and rescues the situation. But all the suffering that went along with that emotional uh, strain. And it's in this suffering where, where Abraham had his greatest uh, blessing. Uh, how about this example in John chapter 9? Uh, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, a teacher, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? See, they assumed that this person, this man who was suffering, that, you know, he wasn't blessed, that he, he, he you know, something clearly had happened to him and he had done something bad in his life that led him into this state of suffering where he was uh, blind. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. What? This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. 
Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I'll tell you what, I'm not sure there's a more disturbing passage in all of the Bible than this one. Who sinned? Clearly somebody did something wrong that this man is suffering, that he's born blind. Something is wrong, something is off, and Jesus is like, no, no, no. Nobody sinned that made him like this. He is like this because God is going to be revealed in the midst of his suffering. I don't know if it's disturbing to you, but that's disturbing to me. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Here this man has been blind his whole life, and Jesus is like, it wasn't because he did something wrong, it's because God is going to be revealed in his suffering. The reality is that faith grows in tribulation. Faith grows when we're suffering. When we're comfortable, we don't need anything. You guys with me here? When you're comfortable, you don't need uh, anything. When, when you're feeling stress and tribulation, that's when we uh, grow. A couple side notes here. First side note, don't, for heaven's sake, don't go looking for suffering. <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, all right, I got to go suffer. Go looking for suffering. The, the, the texts aren't saying go look, look for suffering. Suffering will find you, by the way, in due time. Don't go looking for it. I mean, I think of uh, Simeon the Stylet. Remember this guy? He's from the Middle Ages. Uh, for 37 years, he's one of the desert fathers. The church considers him a saint for this. For 37 years, he stood on a small platform, made himself suffer in the Syrian town of Aleppo. He started at eight feet high, went all the way up to, to something like 50 feet tall, and he just lived out there on the platform. He was suffering, and people would go out and say, let's go look at that really spiritual guy standing on that platform. He's suffering. This is not, this is not what we're talking about here. Don't go and create a suffering experience for yourself. Suffering will come to you. Uh, the second side note is that sometimes uh, Christians... Uh, particularly, I think, again, American Christians uh, call uh, things or, or, or identify things of, of suffering that might not necessarily be suffering, you know, because you did not find the parking spot that you wanted, you know, on 87th Street coming to church. This is not uh, suffering. You with me? We, 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 American Christians right now also are in this... this uh, this mindset that like every, you know, that we're, we're, we're suffering from these, these terrible things and they may not, you know, be actual things that we're suffering. So we want to be careful what we identify as, uh, as, as suffering. With that said, look, there are many of you here who, who are indeed suffering. And we want to recognize that there are those here who have internal battles that are going on that many of us may not even know about. And so there is real a suffering. The good news is today that God is in the midst of your suffering. And God wants to reveal himself to you in your suffering. And that when we experience suffering, we don't experience it alone. Keep in mind, Jesus himself suffered. Romans 5 verse 6 says that at just the right time, when we as humans were powerless, Christ suffered for the ungodly. Uh, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, the text says, though a good person someone might possibly dare to die for. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ suffered for us. 
We have one who has suffered for us. So if you're in the midst of a, a period in your life right now where you're uh, suffering, you're experiencing uh, tribulation, emotional, physical, maybe something in a family, a relationship, maybe your vocation isn't uh, going well, take heart. God knows what it means to suffer. Jesus came and suffered and died. And because of that, there's good news. In Romans 5, verse 10, we read, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Through suffering, we have hope for a new future. How much more we've been reconciled through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God. There's that concept of boasting again. We also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Because Jesus suffered, we have hope for a new kind of a life, a new future because of his suffering. And so if you are here today and you are experiencing suffering, whatever that may be, there is hope that your suffering God will work in and that God has also suffered. He knows what it means to suffer. If we are children, then we are heirs. Romans 8 writes, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. As we suffer, we can relate with the God who has suffered on our behalf. We can have hope that his suffering has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so our suffering can lead us to growth, growth in our relationship with each other and growth in our relationship with God and can help us to understand what God is wanting to do in our experience and what God has done through his work of suffering. Suffering helps us to experience and grow in ways that we wouldn't if we didn't experience it. The exercise analogy is just perfect. Like you're not going to get in the kind of shape that you, you need to be in, that you want to be in, unless you, you put in some suffering, you put in some work, and you go and, 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 and do what needs to be done. And God is calling us and, 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 and even leads us into suffering sometimes. Not that we can earn our, our merit or our worth, but just because God is wanting us to grow. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this, endure hardship as discipline. Endure suffering as, as, as discipline. This is God's way of helping to train us to, 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 to become the kind of people that he's calling us to be. God is treating you as children. What children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of the spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And we're not talking, the discipline we're not talking about here is just like a good old spanking. This is you know, God using perseverance, God using tribulation, God using suffering so that we can grow. If I go to Evaristo, he's going to make me suffer a little bit. This is an advertisement for Evaristo's services as an athletic trainer. We'll pass out your number later, Evaristo. He wants me to grow, and so he's going to make me suffer, bring suffering to me so that I can grow. God, as a father, is wanting to do the same thing. I want you to, to grow. I want you to be healthy, and that may require uh, some suffering. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. 
Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. This sounds like my nurse. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. God wants to work healing in our experience. And sometimes that healing work requires suffering for us. The great hope, though, is that that suffering has a purpose. What did our text of emphasis to say? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. God wants to give us the great gift of hope, that we aren't just living for ourselves, that God has a future in store for us, not just at some distant point in the future, but now. That God wants to have us live full lives now, and that may mean that we go through some suffering. And again, I know that there are those of you here today who are suffering. Suffering, people are, are against you. People are saying things that against you. Because even of your faith in Jesus, take hope. God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus himself suffered. He calls us into suffering as well. And out of that suffering, he wants us to grow and wants us to be people of hope. May God work his power and pour his spirit in us today. Amen.